in a free society. I'm walking down the street, police got the nerve to ask me, where are you going? Where are you coming? Ain't none of your damn business where I'm going. And ain't none of your damn business where I came from. Fuck you talking about where are you going? He gonna ask me, what are you doing here? You go anywhere and ask anybody else what they doing there? You stop and ask anybody else in this society, man, why do you exist? You understand what I'm saying? But you got the nerve to ask me that all day, every day. Now, what do you think that does to me psychologically? What does that tell me? What message am I being fed every day? See, you don't understand that every day he's feeding me a spoonful of hatred. Every day, that's my diet, spoonful of hatred. You see? And it's just a question of when is this going to erupt? And upon whom is it going to erupt? Am I going to attack myself? Am I going to attack my brother? You understand? Am I going to attack my own image in the mirror? Or am I going to eventually attack the cause of my anger and my frustration? But the point is, I'm going to walk in time bomb. I'm going to go off someday, somewhere, on somebody. The question is, upon whom? coordinated activity happening across this nation. And so we are in a state of emergency. Black people are dying in a state of emergency. We cannot look at this as an isolated incident. The reason why buildings are burning are not just for our brother, George Floyd. We're, they're burning down because people here in Minnesota are saying to people in New York, to people in California, to people in Memphis, to people all across this nation, enough is enough. Yeah. And we are not responsible for the mental illness that has been inflicted upon our people by the American government, institutions, and those people who are in positions of power. I don't give a damn if they burn down Target. Because Target should be on the streets with us calling for the justice that our people deserve. Where was AutoZone at the time when Philando Castile was shot in a car, which is what they actually represent? Where were they? So if you are not coming to the people's defense, then don't challenge us when young people and other people who are frustrated and instigated by the people you pay, you are paying instigators to be among our people out there throwing rocks, breaking windows, and burning down buildings. And so young people are responding to that. They are enraged. And there's an easy way to stop it. Arrest the cops. Charge the cops. Charge all the cops. Not just some of them. Not just here in Minneapolis. Charge them in every city across America where our people are being murdered. Charge them everywhere. That's the bottom line. Charge the cops. Do your job. Do what you say this country is supposed to be about, the land of the free for all. It has not been free for black people, and we are tired. Don't talk to us about looting. Y'all are the looters. America has looted black people. America looted the Native Americans when they first came here. So looting is what you do. We learned it from you. We learned violence from you. We learned violence from you. The violence was what we learned from you. So if you want us to do better, then damn it, you do better. All right. Well, here we are again. Um, uh, Welcome to Profane Faith. Uh, I am not sure how to um, construct a conversation around what's happening currently. If you're listening to this in real time, I'm sure you can um, attest to what is happening right now in our, um, yeah, in our great nation right now, if it is even a great nation in terms of just black rage and uprisings um, and then just all the mess. So I have brought my wonderful wife, Emily Hodge, partner, I guess. Yes, we should probably use that phrasing better. Um, Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Um, and you'll hear stuff 
in the background, y'all. I just I, there's not much I can do about that. Our dog is in in here right now, and she is full puppy. Yes, she's full puppy. So you'll be hearing stuff in the background. So um, try to focus on the conversation in the meat. I almost debated not doing anything this week, and then I was like, no, 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 no. I gotta I gotta do something. We gotta do something, and so. I don't know. What are you thinking right now in regards to what's happening? And um, I mean, this is a lot to jump into, um, you know, in regards to just Floyd, uh, Maud. I mean, just the list goes on. But you're from Minneapolis. Born and raised Minneapolis. Yes. Minneapolis is my city. I still claim it. Okay. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. A lot of people that I care about there. What uh, what were your reactions and just thoughts as this came across the news and just in terms of, uh, uh, you know, George and the uprisings and everything? My honest thought is it's about damn time. It's yeah. about damn time that there was an uprising in the Midwest where we are too nice, too patient, uh, and honestly, like... Obviously, the news about George Floyd is devastating, but it's happened so many times, not just in Minneapolis, but around the country. And uh, honestly, like I'm proud of Minneapolis. I'm proud of Minneapolis for fighting back and saying enough is enough. And yeah. uh, I'm fully supportive of the protesters. And, you know, I, it's a resilient city. So uh, feeling really thankful to have a heart connection there. Yeah. What, um, how... How have some of the responses been just from, you know, other members in regards to just because here's the thing, right? I mean, we've been talking about this and that, and, and for those of you listening, this is something that Emily and I have been talking about for a long time. All day, every day. Yes. <laughs> All the time. So excuse us if we're still trying to gather thoughts because this is, I mean, this is part of it, right? I mean, this is part of the the process. Um I guess I'm just trying to think through because anytime you have something like this happening and there are these, as some people put it, riots, I wouldn't even call it a riot. They're not um, riots. Yes, but I hear what you're saying. People, yeah. people use that term just like they use the term thug when it's really people who have been oppressed. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And that's bullshit. Right. And how have you managed some of those conversations with folks or maybe not with folks? I mean, when people ask, you know, Hey, how are fill in the blank? Right. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'd be curious. If you care to share some of that. Yeah. I mean, it's really frustrating. It's conversations that I've been having for 25 years. Um, I first came in contact with the city, even though I only lived, you know, 25 minutes away from it. <laughs> I first, really genuinely came into contact with the city um, in my early 20s. Uh, maybe it was late teens. And uh, so I've been having these conversations forever. Just, you know, the 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 injustice and the, the different ways that people are treated is so profound and so marked. Um, honestly, like, uh, I feel exhausted. I feel exhausted from talking to white people who don't want to hear yeah. And who want to defend their behavior, who want to defend their actions, who want to defend their property, who want to, you know, just defend, defend, defend. And I'm like, I, I know if I'm wore out, I know y'all are wore out. Um, so that's how I feel. I mean, you can even hear it in my voice. I just feel low energy. Like I've been having this fucking conversation for 25 years. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's a lot of the way I felt just even after the... 2016 elections and it was like whoa all the work that we've been doing i mean i think that's for me is that is is living into the reality of the lament of where things are really at because i feel like people want it to be up here and in this pie in the sky let's just work it out i'm one of those people i mean i you know me you live with me i am optimistic by nature i'm midwestern by birth i am minnesotan at that like i am you know i grew up dipped in diet and evangelical just hope all the things like i am the poster child for all of that and i think it has been in the last maybe six months where i'm like no all of like we need to be done with that nonsense like yeah. we need to shift 
And, you know, like I, I'm struggling with a lot of my own internal framework because like peaceful protest doesn't work. You don't get anybody's intention until stuff starts to blow up and burn and whatever. And it's, you know, and sorry, I'm just ranting. I could just rant. No, I mean, I think it's good. I mean, I think that's, that's part of it because it's like for me, and, you know, I know this is controversial, but, you know, and it's in its third rail issue. But I think violence is the answer. And it's like because it's, there's two there's two different worlds, right, that we live in. Entirely different worlds. Yes. There's the world that says because and this is what I keep bringing up. It's like people weren't trying to be all nice and sympathetic and nonviolent towards the people who bombed on 9-11. We weren't trying to be all nice and sympathetic towards Al Qaeda. Right. I mean, and so it 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 the for me, like the train track goes both ways. It's like you're going to tell a group of people, right, that we're going to militarize up. We're going to go. We're going to have this war because we need an enemy. Right. We right. need somebody to, to, to point at and we'll blow them up without regard. Deny them entry into the country. Anyone from that area, you know, but then when something like this happens and there's no justice, there's no. Uh, any kind of, I mean, cops already know that this is, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, and nothing's going to happen to me. And Philando, Philando Castile is just like, right. We're on the heels of that in that, in that city. And now you have another murder and it's just like, and this is, these are just the ones that have made it on public media. These aren't all the ones that, that didn't get caught on, right. on camera. Um, I've had my own run in with Minneapolis police or, or I guess the wannabe cops at the airport. But um, yeah. Um, well, and I think that's just it is like I come from the like, well, if you follow the rules and you do the right things and you pray the right prayers and you read the right scriptures and you do all these things, then things will work out. And I have seen that is absolutely not the case for black folks like it is not the case that you can't kneel you can't protest you can't you know riot like nothing you do is ever good enough i mean and like the standards are so duplicitous and like it just never ends and i think it's it and i'm sad to say that it's only because i have lived so up close and personal with you and with my godsons and you know, other people in my world that I care about where I've seen it time after time after time after time. Like I can't deny it anymore. I can't scripturize it. I can't Bibleize it. I can't pray yeah. it away. Like I see it with my own two eyes. And when you see it with your own two eyes, you can't look away anymore. And trust me, I tried. Cause like I am an optimist to the core and honestly, like I've lost my optimism, to be honest. I'm like, yeah, burn it. Burn it all down. Because we got to start over. Because this is not working. Right. And I guess I feel like, you know, those businesses are going to be rebuilt, right? They'll in be a, fine. In a few months, they'll rebuild Target, and it'll be this big thing. Yep. We'll probably have already forgotten about, you know, George Floyd. Right. There'll be a big, you know, ribbon-cutting ceremony, and they're going to be just fine. Well, and Minneapolis is resilient. They know how to organize, you know, I mean... Honestly, of all the places that it could have happened, you know, and this is going to be a controversial statement, but I'm glad it happened there because there are a lot of people, you know, who are our allies in the best sense of the word and who will stand in the gap and, you know, people who will come alongside the black community and will rebuild. Like, it's a great place uh, to be. I can't speak for the rest of Minnesota and the outliers, and I can't speak for all the people who are coming in from out of state and, and doing, you know, all the... The truly illegal stuff, if you notice, it's not the black folks. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's one of the things, right? It's like the media blows this up. And for people who are ignorant, it's very easy then to, sorry, our cat is, I'm telling you, the animals are, I think they can feel yeah, the energy. in the, They're <laughs> on fire. Yes. <laughs> um, let me refocus here. But they, People, it's easy to believe then what the media is telling you because that's all you have. You don't have the you don't have the privilege of walking with somebody and actually engaging with them and knowing like, hmm, what they're saying, that's not true because I know this group of people and that's not who they are. Exactly. And it's easy then to get succumbed to all the lies. Oh, these are thugs. These are people that just only, they only believe, they only need, or they only understand, you know, the, the, the violent boot of the, of the gun. 
And so I get it's tired because it's like you're fighting all these fronts. Right. You're fighting the, the, the people who say, well, this is not the way. Then what is the goddamn way? What is the way? There is no way. There is no way to be black in America that is acceptable to the people in power. There's just no way. I mean, I've watched I've watched you up close and personal do it in Minnesota, in California, in Chicago, in Northern California, in Southern California. Like there's no right way to be black. There's just not. And everywhere you go, it's like suspicious looks and you know the side eye and people protecting themselves and and that's just the blatant stuff and then you get all the subtle stuff you know i mean it's just never ending right and that and 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 right and that's for me is the bigger it's the never ending because it's like what is going to be fixed this time that will prevent another George Floyd, another Philando Castillo, another Mike Brown. I mean, the list goes on. Sandra Bland, right? Right. Um, there is nothing in place. And that's just it. And especially when we have who we have in the White House, it's it then becomes a matter of, okay, long-term, what is going to happen? And that's where I get confounded about what is going to be the long-term solution here and i think that's where religion really fucks it up right because then it's like well let's reconcile and let's come together and let's you know if if we can just you know i see people posting stuff about how oh well if we can just um what is it um get more people right in the positions of power or if we we can we need more white police officers coming out and stuff like that we still have to respect the law and i'm at this point i'm just like man fuck the law because it's like the law has not worked for us as 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 black people as people of color in this country for some but but historically not for all well and let me just tell you a really practical story this was even long before i met you um i was volunteering while i was in college i was doing some after school program stuff and i had a carload of kids on the highway and i can't even remember what the situation was um but all the kids in my car happened to be african-american and me obviously i'm white and um as soon as they saw the lights they i mean all the kids i mean and these were little kids like we're talking seven eight nine yeah panicked like ducking hiding all this stuff and I remember like my experience was so profoundly different I was like you guys it's fine it's fine like I haven't done anything wrong it's all gonna be fine and I didn't I mean I was so ignorant that I did not understand the terror that they had already experienced at seven eight and nine Meanwhile, I have lived this other life 25 minutes away with a different skin tone and my experience is entirely different like didn't even cross my mind that I was probably not even going to get a ticket which I didn't I didn't get a ticket you know and like how is their experience and my experience so different and it's taken me so long to see how is that possible except that you don't want to see you don't have to see uh you're you're kept from seeing by the color of your skin yeah well, and I still have students, right? And that's that's what gets me, right? I still have white students who come in their 20s who this is the first time they're experiencing anything, right? First time, I mean, I still, I get this every semester from from white students. You're the first professor I've ever had who's who's black and who's who said it like this. I was that kid and I didn't even have a black professor talking about anything controversial. I had one, one professor of color in college and we were talking about youth ministry one like we were talking about experiential learning like i it wasn't even controversial so i can relate to all those kids because like you're in a cocoon you don't have to be like you don't even have to think a different thought until you're in your 20s i mean yeah and i know the world has shifted and i know that fewer and fewer people are that isolated as i was isolated but like I was that kid. I was your kid. Yeah, I don't I mean and here's the thing. I don't know how much it has shifted because I'm still I mean, thinking back to this last semester teaching intercultural yeah. com that are just like this is the first time I've heard of something. And sure, there's some that obviously have been engaged in their social media and everything right. like that. But there's still I have never heard of this before. I didn't know. I didn't know right. why, why so, pe- so many people are so upset. I just had a student email me talking about 
you know, I have students watch Do the Right Thing, which if you haven't seen Do the Right Thing, I highly recommend it because it captures everything that we're talking about right now. Everything. Um, and all the nuances that go on in that, right? And so there was one student, there's a question, right? You know, Spike Lee actually asked the question, did Mookie do the right thing at the end of the movie to, you know, throwing the trash can through the window? Um, and of course, most white students are like, well, I don't know, you know, I just... I just, man, I just think we can work it out a different way. Uh, yeah, that was me. That was me, babe. I mean, I was that because because in my experience, as long as you kept working hard enough and you could find words and you could be peaceful enough, it worked out. I mean, I like and I have fundamentally shifted because I've seen with my own eyes that it does not work. Let me ask this, and I don't want to put, I, I don't want to tokenize you. <laughs> what do all the white people think? But what is it then about we can accept Air Force planes bombing countries that we call terrorists or insurgents? We can accept that. We will watch it on television. We will parade in the streets right. when there is the person, the enemy that we think is is dead. Is we're parading in the streets, but when it comes to this, and it's like. Oh, we need to just do something different. We need to go and have, um, we need to go and have this, uh, you know, that, that some miracle needs to happen that people need to be patient somehow. What is that? Particularly with, and when I think I asked that, and I'm asking you, because again, you come from that background, but I, I'm just curious, like, what are some of the components of that? Because I don't, I don't get it. I'm not entirely sure that I can find all the words, but I think a piece of it is that we white folks actually think that we're on the same team. We actually think that because you're American that, you know, and this notion of being colorblind or I don't see color or whatever, we have this notion of sameness when in reality it's entirely different. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, that's a piece of it. And also there's this, just this weird twisted spirituality of it all. Like, um, Gosh, that's such a deep question. Like I yeah. could go in a hundred different directions, but the other piece that I think is that, you know, in another country, you don't have to see it. You don't have to live with it. You know, when people fight back, you don't have to deal with the consequences of it. Whereas here, it affects your pocketbook. It affects, you know, where am I going to buy groceries now? Where am I going to get my teeth cleaned? Where am I going to, you know, take my kid when they, you know, break their arm? Like it's, it's real when it's right in your face. Whereas when it's in another country, you can just write it off, you know, and there's this notion of, uh, what's holy and what's not. And it's totally dependent on where you come from and, and what your background is and what you believe. Right. I think, I think for me, I mean, you know, once upon a time I would have said, I think once I, you know, in my fundamental years, I would have been like, Oh, this is not the way. I mean, I, you know, having been in the uprisings in 92, I mean, a lot of it was just, again, just that it was like, if my humanity can't be took into consideration if I can't even begin to exist on the same level as other people, right? Just access the same material that we are all told. But that's the problem right there is you think that people are consciously thinking that you're different. They're in, in white people's mind, they think they're treating you the same Yes, because they are that unconscious yes. that they don't even realize myself included that, that we don't even realize that we are starting from an inhumane place. Yeah. I mean, as a white person, like nobody, nobody teaches you. It's like, nobody sits down and is like, you are fundamentally better. You are, you are white. Therefore you are better. So there's not like a course and no one at church like is telling you these things, but you are fed all day, every day, a constant diet of whiteness. And mm. it's not just a skin color, but it's, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of being. And because, oh, gosh, I mean, you know, there's, there's whole books out there. I mean, people can say it way better than I can, but it's like white folks think that they're starting from the same place when fundamentally they are not. It is like, for example, saying that, uh, men and women have the same experience in life. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is fundamentally not true. Right. Yeah. And if you are a man and you don't have to see, like 
you and I have talked about this, whereas like, you know, I get off the train and I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, who's with me? And what's, you know, what's next to me? Do I have my keys in my hand? Do I, you know, like when is the bus coming? You know, like I have a very different experience in social settings than you do. You obviously you have your own set of challenges, but you cannot say like, you don't have to see it. You can choose to be like, Oh, Emily, you're just paranoid. You just like to carry your keys cause you're paranoid and nothing's going to happen. It's going to be totally fine. It's all in your head, you know, and you, because you could say that, Oh yeah, we're all just human, which is not false. But yeah. that does not mean we have the same experience. We do not have the same experience, point blank, period. End of discussion. It is not the same. And I can say that definitively, without a doubt, because I see you live all day, every day. Maybe not all day, every day. <laughs> a lot of the day, yeah, every so day. Most, most of the day, especially now in the Rona. Yeah, but like I see what life is like and I can't not see it anymore. I would have said 25 years ago, like, oh, it's pretty much the same. I mean, we're all human. It's all good. You know, I mean, it's just just do the right thing and it'll work out fine. I mean, and that's what I was told. All growing up, if you do the right thing, God will work it out. Right, right. And I think that's what that that's the religious part of it, that for me, for me, so much of evangelical, well, all of evangelicalism has is is run its theological course for me because it, you know, we were just talking about this on the walk, right? It's like we're pretty sure that we now that we know more of George Floyd that you know this was a Bible believing, exactly praying. I'm sure somebody prayed over him and was like, God protect him and everything. Exactly. Then I have to ask the question, like, well, where was God in that moment? Right, and everybody, and by everybody, I mean. White people, a lot of white people will just be like, well, but this is God's will and it's our time when it's our time and all these platitudes, which, okay, yes, like maybe I don't know. I'm not a philosopher, but at the end of the day, I don't have to think about dying on a daily basis. I just don't. Whereas I am constantly concerned for you because I've been in the car with you when you've been pulled over. I've heard the stories. I've seen the way people have talked to you and looked at you. And I see how your experience is different. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I want to address, too, because I'm sure there's folks who may be listening. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I know this is a diverse audience and there's always new folks who are listening to profane faith and maybe some folks who are like oh man i'm with you like i'm with you in the protests i'm with you in those things but i just don't see how burning up uh, a a store or precinct i'll get to the precinct here in a second you know is is worth it but let me let me just say something to that real quick is that again these are white owned properties okay and when you begin to see the destruction like people care more about this goddamn property exactly and the merchandise. Right. Then people's lives. Right. And that for me is the fundamental problem right there. Let it all burn. <laughs> That's for me. I'm just like, because they're going to rebuild. I mean, it's again, going back to do the right thing. Sal's Pizzeria will be rebuilt. Exactly. He has insurance. He's going to make out on the insurance. In fact, if anything, it's going to be a huge tax deduction for the corporation of Target. Right. They're not, you know, and it's like and we see these things. Right. Right. All the time. It's like, you know, the big four banks, they got more of the stimulus bill than all of the people combined. <laughs> right? Correct. You know, so for me, it's much bigger than just saying, oh, you know, what about the 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 violent acts that have been done to move people out of their homes, to make people homeless, to make to create ghettos don't just happen. They are created. And so. For those of you who are wondering, we're talking about people who have nothing. And so here's a building, a dilapidated building or whatever. It's like, you know what? <laughs> this shit right here doesn't mean anything because but you've tried to make it mean something. And it's like, like old girl said, it's like, you know, Target should have been out on the streets walking and marching and protesting and whatnot. And now to the precinct, I'm just like, man, that was another level for me because I'm just like. How much attention do you have? Like, you know, like you it's it, you're yelling in the corner. You're like you're, you're jumping up and down like, hey, we need help. We need help. We need help. It's like Tupac said. It's like, man, we asked. We were asking the 50s. We were asking the 60s. All those people are dead in jail. It's like you've been asking this long. It's like you can see people in the room throwing around salami, but they're not letting you in. It's after a while. It's like, you know what? I'm, com- I'm picking the lock, coming through the door, blasting. And that's exactly where folks are at with that precinct. And I'm just like. The police have fundamentally, systemically been set up as a deterrent for black people in this country. That's historical. 
just to begin with. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much else to say other than I have <laughs> witnessed you and some of my uh, other chosen family experience what it's like with the police. Um, and I have never had a gun put to my head, but my chosen family has. Right. And yeah, I don't have much more to say about that other than it's so tragic. And the, and the challenge is, is that white people are always going to start by asking, well, what did you do? Why did you get pulled over? What happened? Why didn't you, you know, why didn't you acquiesce? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you, you know, like it's always a question about the black person's character, integrity or whatever. You don't, you know, and like no one would ever, like if if a cop put a gun to my head, no one would ever start with that and be like, well, Emily, what did you do? They'd be like, oh my God, you poor thing. You da 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 da. That's so traumatic. You know, it would be a completely different response. Exactly. Well, I think historically enough people don't know um, about just the history of police. I mean, prior to the Civil War, you know, you had local jurisdictions and, quite frankly, militarized um, uh, units and groups of people keeping law. Um, And you would have... um, you know, when you think about the red, the gray and the, you know, the blue and the gray and whatnot, you know, these were a lot of local militias that were just established and organized that what we know of law enforcement really took shape after this end of the Civil War. Right. When black people were getting into politics, when black if you think about the original Republican Party uh, was designated to give black people power in Senate, in Congress. I've said this before, they were expecting a black president by the 1890s, you know, right? You think about the Homestead Act, you think about that this momentous occasion, right? Between about probably about 1870 and 1885, that we saw this rise in black power and black political power, right? Right, but see, here's the thing, is you're talking about this, like everybody should know what you're talking about. You know, you're talking about it like, well, we know this and we know, no, we don't know. We white folks don't know. We haven't been taught. We haven't read the history books. We haven't read the literature. We haven't had to scour this stuff up. And that's another piece is like, the more that I talk to you, I mean, obviously granted you're a history buff. So I feel like you're a little bit uh, exceptional in this regard, but like there's stuff that you tell me where I'm like, no, I had no idea. What? And that, no, we don't know. And this is what we need to know. We need to know all the thousands of ways that black folks tried to do things legitimately, whatever the hell that means, you know, legally, you know, all the ways that they've tried to do it, the godly, holy, whatever way that have been constantly told, nope, 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 nope. Because frankly... I didn't know that until the other day when you were talking to me about the militia and the, you know, the red shirts. Is that what they're called? Yeah. You know, all these different things. I'm like, no, I didn't know that. And this is where our education and the whole system is fucked up because we don't we don't know this. And unless you go looking for it and P.S. when you're white, you don't need to go looking for it. Right. So then you're not necessarily even willfully ignorant. You're just ignorant. I mean, I call myself ignorant all the time because I'm like, whoa, I didn't know because I didn't have to know. And like now I'm wanting to know and I'm actively educating along with other people in my circles. But it's like but we don't have to know. And that's the piece. That's the systemic stuff that I'm talking about is like. From education to the books to the music to all the things like we need a fundamental shift in how we are educated, you know, even in church, for goodness sake. I mean, like all the oh, my gosh, I went through I mean, I got my degree in theology. I got my undergrad in theology. We had a part of one course on liberation theology and P.S. It was couched as being like suspect theology like this was a fringe theology this Mm -hmm. wasn't like a central theology and that's the other piece is like we are fed all day every day only one stream of information and the more you get as a white person you're just like whoa and then you get some more information and you're like whoa and then eventually you're like what the fuck like how did i not know any of this and then you're angry And then you go to another space where you move from anger to to like just grief and like inability to do anything. And then you feel stuck and then you have self-loathing and like there's all these different layers. And then you got to work through all of that. And so honestly, most people give up long before you ever get to like, oh, I should go read the history books because it's like we're so far behind. Yeah. 
and you feel so stupid because you're just like, how did I not know this? How did nobody ever teach me this stuff? Well, and I, and I think, and there's then there's the large group though of of whites, and I want to also include people of color here because like plenty of folks have said, being white is not just white people. It is a culture. It is a worldview. And so there's plenty of ethnic minorities that are also engaged in this, be it Latinx, Asian, um, black. um, Because it's what you got to do to be successful. Yes. So that's why people do it even subconsciously. You know, it's it's not like people are like, oh, I want to embody whiteness. No, that's not what they're setting out to do. But if you want to be seen as successful and be left alone to live and not die, that's what you have to do. Right. And that's just it. And I think the, the part of the cognitive dissonance that comes in for a lot of folks who subscribe to whiteness, let me just put it that way, that is that, well, no, I mean, that's not the way it is. Or, you know, I, you know, we got to be told the real history and like and then you get all these like, you know, these splinters and it feels like, you know, then you go off because it was the same way even when I, you know, uh, was in grad school and in seminary. It's like I had to go out and look for a lot of these these theologies and these these other areas, right, that people say this is a, a, a uh, an out there or a suspect. It's like you had to go and look at those things. And I'm just like, but who gets to say it is suspect? Who gets to right. say it? But I also get that when worldviews are established and an ideology is established, that it's almost impossible to undo it. And so a lot of folks operate on the idea, much like David Christensen in The, in the Color of Fear, that, you know, you just make your way in the world. You don't have to worry about things like, you know, just go and do what you got to do. Like, don't worry about these things. You're the one putting up the blockade. You know, you're the one, you know, making it hard that you can't succeed. Right. And it's like and then it's easy to point to some of the tokens that are in positions of power. What about, you know, this person, Colin Powell? And what about Michael Jordan and all this stuff? And it's like. It it's. When I start to think about success, I'm like, we've we haven't really even moved the needle of 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 progress. Um, so much of Title IV Act in 1964 has been revoked and pulled back that we're 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 we're, we're one step away from not even having a right to vote as black people, right? <laughs> and so, and I don't trust this administration, and even more, I don't trust the courts to uphold those things because we're at a point now, we're a half a step away from thinking, you know what? especially after these uprisings, right? You know, black people are just better when white people are their supervisors. And we should maybe establish some sort of form of, of slavery because, you know, it was, slavery was much easier for them, right? And it's like, again, you repeat a lie long enough, people believe it. And, you know, that may sound far off right now, but <laughs> um, what about, you know, people couldn't believe also wearing masks into your local, you know, <laughs> you know, grocery store and stuff like that. So for me, it's much more about, where are we at in the current schema of time and, and, and whatnot? But anyways, I'll, I'll pause there. What some of your reflections on that? My reflections are just like, yep. I mean, and if you would have told me this stuff 20 years ago, I would have given you the biggest side eye and I would have been like, dude, you're crazy. And now I look at it, I see it and I'm like, no, you're spot on. You know, I mean, I even think in this household, as tight as we are and as good of friends as we are and as long as we've lived and walked together, you know, I was like, there's no way 45 is going to get into office. And you were like, no, it's going to happen. And I was like, no, because I was still living in optimism land. And P.S., I'm still related to people who think he's still the right choice. And honestly, that's a whole nother fight. Um, Yeah. You know, it's like. I'm at the point now where it's just like, okay, I mean, I, I don't even know what to do with former community, with family, with people. Like I, I, I don't even have a starting point anymore. Like how do you even talk to people who think that it's okay that, um, if you loot, you shoot like what the fuck kind of mentality is that from a global leader? Like who says that? Who does that? A thug, a thug says that a thug does that. Like, So I don't know. I mean, like, I'm just at a loss of like, I mean, of course we got to blow shit up because that's the only way that people are that we're getting attention, you know, and that things are going to move forward. And I wish I had answers. God knows. I mean, you know, 
our house hasn't been so clean because I was so racked with anxiety the other day, wondering <laughs> about my godsons, you know, are they right. going to be okay? And, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, I spent like five hours sweating, mopping the floors and doing all this stuff. Cause I'm just like, I don't know what to do at this point other than blow shit up. Cause that's the only thing that seems to matter to people right. is their stuff. Right. Right. And that's, that for me is the bigger, the bigger issue, right? It's like, <sighs> It, again, that's why I say violence is the answer, because that's the only thing that seems to bring about actual notice. And. Which. It, yeah. And here's the thing. I don't disagree with you anymore. And yet, like, I want internal peace. Absolutely. For myself, for you, for our family, for our friends. Absolutely. And how do you live in the constant juxtaposition? And this is how I know that I'm starting to get it, is that I feel constantly caught in the middle between violence and peace and like squarely in the middle. Like I would love to have peace, but peace at what cost? Peace with a, with a, a, a knee on your neck? Hell no. No way. That's not peace. That's violence, you know, and so like just constantly living in between the like, oh, my gosh. How do we fight and also not be killed with the hate that we've internalized? Right. You know what? I think that's the that's the the challenge. Right. I mean, what and, and, and honestly, I mean, I think during any times of war, I mean, there there is no I don't I don't think there's any beauty in any of that. Right. I mean, you talk to anybody who survived Vietnam or right. World War II. I mean, PTSD. Right. Lost limbs. Right. Broken families. Exactly. All the all the things, all the things. Innocent people get caught up in that. And it's like, I don't think people really want that. I'm just I'm asking myself, though, it's like, man, it's like, but how far do people get pushed in a militarized situation? Um, and. You know, I'm well. Let's just you know, let's take it to the ground. I think about you know curfews being set, right? right. It's like right. You know, you get curfews, and you get the 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 armed guards that are moving, and now you have neo Nazis and Klan members who are showing up to these, excuse me, these places and whatnot. And so now it's 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 at an even higher level. Then you get the president of the United States calling all the the the, the protesters thugs. Only to come to find out that it wasn't even the protesters who started. It was a white no, cop. It was totally peaceful. Who incited it and who started these things. Right. And and that's what I mean. Let me go back to the history real quick, because, again, when the police units that we now know were established, this was during a time, again, when black folks were at the highest in terms of power in this country. These units and militias were designed and created to keep black people out of office. And they successfully, it did. They kept them as sharecroppers. They kept them at, as subservient. And then you had white wealth at the same time as the oil industry was growing, as the industrial society was growing, who took ownership of these of these places, right? Um, who then in turn, you know, shut down the Homestead Act, 40 acres and a mule, for those of you who don't know, um, Right. And who then shut down the stuff at the same time you have the expansion of the United States into what we now know as right. The stolen territories of Mexico um, and, and places like that, the indigenous areas. Right. You have that expansion towards the West that coincided with taking over Native American lands, killing them out. Then you have, you know, a, a set of new rules of this, quote unquote, these United States of America that is built upon, again, lies violence looting all right when you talk about the biggest looters in this country right and if you could see me i'm shaking my head because i'm looking at it and i'm like right you you have all this history but you still got all these evangelicals that are like this is our country god right. bless america right. god bless america and i'm like you like <sighs> we are so ignorant about the history of this country and so unwilling to accept how it was started and what it was started on you know, like it's such a double standard. Right. It's such a double standard. And that's just it. And when you fast forward to, you know, the Harlem Renaissance and the expansion, the Great Migration and whatnot, you again, you had these pockets of black middle class people right. who worked in factories, who did right. all the things. And, and honestly, most people just want to do the basic people aren't. Like, they just want to live. Right. They, they just, just want to live. live. Just they want just to live. want to live and I just they want, want their kids to, to live. Exactly. And to be happy. Exactly. Yep. And, and that's across the board. Yep. 
But then Black Wall Street, right? That got taken out. And this was, again, the same thing that people say, oh, well, get, get your own materials. Like Black Wall Street, go read up on that. Go read up on how these areas were taken out. They were burnt to the ground, literally. Um, and then, right, you get to the 60s, and then you have the destruction. You have the, the deindustrialization of the United States. Who got hit the most? Black people got hit the most because then you have redlining. Then you have communities that are being separated and that are being cut apart. And all those people who work in middle class jobs, working at the Ford factory, working at these factories that were now getting shipped off into other places, people of color were hurt the most. And that's not to say the white middle class person wasn't hurt. But again, they still have their whiteness to fall back on. Fast forward to the 60s. You have, the you know, the uprisings with, you know, MLK. And, you know, here he is in a position of power. But again, most of those people were killed off, sent into exile or, or put in prison for the rest of their lives. Called a traitor to this, this country. Right. All for wanting to establish something uh, just to exist. Right. Um, and by the time you get to the 70s and 80s, I mean, it's a wrap. Crack era, crack generation. It's just almost like a, a nail in the coffin for black people because we're split. And then you have the rise of popular culture, right? And now you have these icons, Oprah, Magic Johnson, you know, people like this and stuff like that. And that's cool, but that's individualized wealth, not a collective wealth. When you think about Jewish wealth and how long their dollar stays in their, their community, right? 27 to 30 days. You know, our dollar in the black community stays six hours, six hours. Even in the Latin community, it stays 12, hours, 12 days. And so it's interesting to me because black people in this country don't have a country to go to. Most Latinx people can say this is my country of origin. We don't have that. Um, and it is this third eye that W.E. Du Bois talked about all the time. Right. Or this third, uh, the second consciousness. Excuse me. Um so I just wanted to kind of tie up those because I'm sure somebody was saying, oh, but what about the history? It's like, I just, I wanted to come back to that. I mean, just say that we have tried all of these things that people say that have done and they've all failed. There is no concentrated movement of wealth and power in this country. Look at the CEOs who run this country. They're all white men for the exception of one or two women. Exceptions. And even they, I would have to say, had to quote unquote play ball with the boys to get to where they're at. So I struggle with people who are saying, oh, just do this and do that and do this. And we need to have more of this or just have faith or who even take, you know, the cop out to say, oh, this is just a sin. Man, that's fucking bullshit, man. When people well, just take Jesus was a sin because right. he, he got lynched. Exactly. By the, the police of the time. So it just it fires me up when folks are just like, you know, just a simplistic answer. And part of it is, is that I feel that folks just they want to believe in a thought so, so much that they're willing to ignore what's really going on. Well, and I'm over here sighing because that was me. I mean, it is so much easier. It is so much less painful. It is so much more idealistic and easy to be optimistic when you don't have to see it. When you don't yeah. have to see it, you could just set it to the side and be like, no, no, it's it's because of them. It's because they're not doing something or whatever. But when you see it, I mean, I think that's the part that's tripping me out is that I'm more shook than my black God sister who's like, no, nah, we're going to be fine. And I'm like, you know, I'm still all up in my feelings. And she's like, you know, we've been through some stuff. And I'm like, that's right. You have been through some stuff. You know how to get through. You know how to survive. And I'm still in like just grief i mean like i'm walking around this house on the verge of tears at all times yeah because it's not theoretical yes it's not an exercise it's my people in the middle of the city that i love and their lives are on the line and people still want to talk about let's pray about it right no no right yeah, I mean, I think that's that for me, the thoughts and prayers, I'm so beyond that. And I mean, I'm just not, I mean, again, this is what we were talking about on our walk, right? It's like, I'm, 
I cannot reconcile a God that's, you know, quote unquote, protecting us. I can reconcile a God. And this is where, again, I, I, I look to our, our humanist uh, family, you know, Dr. Anthony Penn and, you know, my good friend and colleague, Monica Miller, you know, who say, let's let's take the theological out and let's look at the human element. Right. It's like the, the, the trail of tears wasn't this this horned person flying around. These were people. It's people with guns. It's people in the tanks. It's people with the tear gas. It's people. It's people. Right. So it, it, I can more identify with a God that is a type four civilization that created life on earth and is off doing something right now. And sure, there's the essence, the quantum essence of maybe the Holy Spirit. Like I was telling you before, I do believe that, you know, people are still called and there's the, the, you know, the connection, right? In the quantum realm of having God in two places, right? And at one place, but it's like even, but even the understanding of God as only a he and, um, I don't know. I mean, and and I, it, I struggle with that because there's 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 so many things that don't add up when you look at the Bible, at least the way we were taught to look at the Bible. Right. Um, and it's too easy to get off the hook and just say, well, that's just the fall. That's just the sin. That's just the sinful nature of people. It's like, no, man, it's much bigger than that. It's much more. And I'm and and we're probably not going to have all the answers, you know, in, in a lifetime. But I can't just sit here and say it's one thing, especially when I think about my life, our lives as humans, we're but a blip on the earth. I mean, the earth is, you know, 6 billion years old. It's like, man, that's, that's nothing in comparison to a, you know, what is the, the oldest human? 115, 110 years old. That's nothing. It's nothing. Nothing's even moved. The, 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 the crust of the earth hasn't even moved that much, you know? So I don't know. You had some stuff here though. I don't, I want to make sure we, get to some of that as well. No, I just got resources. I just want to talk to my white folks. And there's two things I want to say to my white people. Number one is put your money where your mouth is. Stop giving as much to the white church and start giving it other places. Literally redistribute your money. Take your tithe, take your offering and spread it out. Put, give it to people you know, give it to organizations that are doing things, but stop putting your money in the same place. And number two, educate yourself. Like pick up all the books, pick up all the things. Don't reach out to your black friends and ask them if they can give you a list of resources. I want you to like look up books and and check out your things and i've got a whole list and i'm gonna share them on the podcast from you uh or you know with dan here um and give a whole list of things but i want you to pick up books white fragility uh they call you a terror or when they call you a terrorist a black lives memoir uh read the new jim crow you know change up your social media you know uh honestly Avoid evangelical stuff. Like, I'm just going to be real straight up with my evangelical folks. Stop reading the same voices. Pick up something different. Pick up something new. You know, I uh, had a resource shared with me at work about decolonizing nonviolent communication. Look at the way that you communicate. Uh, pick up those resources. Read authors of color. You know, invest in this. And don't expect people to do it for free. Pay for the book pay for the training, pay for the coaching, pay for the therapy, put your money where your mouth is and stop just feeling sad about it. Do something. Amen. I mean, I think that's just it. And I mean, I think, you know, I think as you were talking about that, I think about, you know, just, and I appreciate all the phone calls and texts from, from some of the white folks who I would consider allies asking me what they can do and, you know, how am I, I appreciate that. I really definitely do. But it's like, man, I don't necessarily have a lot of answers because that's a difficult question to answer because I feel like we're, we're, we've been in this position. It just, it keeps coming up yearly. And not only that, the fear of just even walking outside as a black man to just to take a damn walk, right? That's something that, again, you talk about getting off the, the subway system because I feel you on that because it's easy for me to ignore, just like it's easy for white folks to ignore that, you know, when you see the cops. Like the other day, you went to Costco to get some things and you told us, oh, okay, you know, go to the park to, you know, we got to get the puppy energy out because that puppy is got energy. Gosh, dogs. But as soon as I pull up in the park, I see a cop in the corner park. And I'm like, mm, hell no, nah. we ain't, we ain't, we ain't staying here. Uh, uh, hell no, nah. I'm leaving. And we did, 
I, I told Mahalia too. I said, we leaving. We, we are going out. And so it is, it is important. I think like everything that Emily just got through talking about, um, and to figure out what systemically, how you can begin to help. And here's the other thing is because this is the other challenge, right? Particularly with white liberals and, and white progressives is like, are you able to genuinely give up power when time is, is, is right? And I'm not saying be poor or be uh, out of work or anything like that. I'm not, I don't want to trade one for one, like, oh, okay, this and this and that. But it's like, white folks cannot need the next movement of, of justice. You, I'm sorry, you just can't. And if we're going to be intercultural, it can't be just the same old, same old, which is why I'm, I'm against short-term missions, right? Even if they're from a white, you know, even if they're from a POC-centered place in a church, more than likely that POC-centered is still centered in white evangelicalism. And we're going to go save these people. So I don't know. And I appreciate it. But I think everything you just got through saying, start there, start there, keep educating yourselves and keep educating other white folks. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. I know in Ferguson, when there were protesters happening, the white allies would go and surround the black protesters and everybody was filming everything because they said, if there's going to be violence, it's going to happen to us first. But the police were far more reluctant to do anything real violent because there was, you know, 200 white people surrounding exactly 500 black people. Use your body. Use your body as a shield, as a, as a protectant. Like, actually use it. Stand in the way of violence. And I would give you two words, like Google them, look them up, decolonialization uh, and whiteness. Like look up those two things, read everything you possibly can about it, sit with it, meditate on it, watch movies about it and talk to your white allies about it. Like don't put this on your black friends that they got to help you process all of this Go sit down with your other white friends who are thinking about this and looking at this and do the hard work. And again, pay, use your money, use your money to invest in the voices. Uh, don't expect folks of color to do free stuff for you. Pay them, pay them for their work, just like you want to be paid for your work. That is, that is. I'm looking at some of these tweets that are just, that are speaking to me, man. Like uh, Javel tweets, how is it? quote unquote, get over slavery, but 9-11 is, quote, never forget, right? Um, Davey D, who I respect and admire, put out, he said, I got to be honest, the worst looting I've ever seen take place happened a few weeks ago when corporations collected over $500 billion in stimulus money while everyone else was left with $1,200 checks right. and having to decide if they have to pay for food or rent, right? These are just some of the things, right? And again, I, I'm not... You know me, I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but sometimes it's, it, it helps reshape your ideological structure because it's easy to get caught up in the propaganda that says, no, no, no more violence, let's just stop, let's peace, this ain't the way, you know, it's just like, and, but again, what happens, right, because 9-11, never be forgotten, you get ready, next year, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary, I'm pretty sure people aren't going to be like, ah, let's just forget about it. They're going to be talking about all that shit and about all the stuff. Ooh, America's did this shit. And it's like, look, the only difference between the terrorists and the military organization is just is is money and the access to media and prop propaganda. The same prayers that go out from terrorists go out from military folk when they go into battle. Do you think God is really up there sitting and be like, hmm, I think that prayer was a little, I'm going to go with them. It's just like, no, man. I mean, so we have to begin to see things in a completely different environment. And I know that's a controversial statement because I know there's people like, well, I don't know. You can say, well, I don't know all you want. But the reality of it is, is there's people right now having to suffer under the boot, the knee, if you will, um, of of this tyranny on, a, on an ongoing basis. Um, Yeah, I mean... It's and exactly. I mean, it's, it's like what I tell folks is like, what, do you, what don't you understand about no justice, no peace? Um, you know, uh, and I'm not just for peace at the sake of a human life. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I've thought about all this. And at the same time, I'm still just like, man, we're still here. So my, my question continues to go back out to anyone and everyone it's like well, what next because we're just we're we're minutes away from another george floyd minutes because what's changed you know even the way we police here in america 
and the way we we think about policing. It's like your, you know, the idea and notion that, uh, you know, we really need a database of all, because yeah, that's the other thing, right? It's like these cops that are being found out. Then you find out, oh, they had all these allegations against them and they had all these other things, you know, that were holding up. We need a database about that. So I am not going to be a friend of the police just because they're considered quote unquote heroes. Nah, uh-uh. you got to earn that right. You got to earn that right. And I, I have worked with good police officers, but at the end of the day, a lot of good police officers that I know are no longer police officers because they couldn't deal with that shit anymore. Once they started realizing and waking up to, I have a friend right now who you know, had him on the show, Mark, you can go back and listen to that podcast. That was back in season one. Anyways, I want to keep us here all day, but any final thoughts and anything? I know this, I love this book. This book, the decolonized, decolonizing, what is it? Nonviolent communication, communication. Yeah. Uh, feel your feelings, do your work, spend your money differently. Look out for each other. Use your body to protect other people. Challenge your thinking, read your history Get some rest, take a walk, take care of yourself, do what you got to do. Those are good words. Those are good words. Join the conversation, y'all. You know, whitehodgepodcast.com and whitehodge.com. You can, you know, leave a message and whatnot. You can follow me on, you know, on social media. My public profile, of course, excuse me, is on Twitter. Um, Emma, you on Facebook, but, you know, I don't Eh. know. You're kind of locked down in in, in a good way. I'm locked down on Facebook, too. I don't. There's a lot of people. I have like 30 friend requests. I'm like, man, I don't know these people. I don't know who you is. Um, But uh, you can find her there. And uh, what I, and I know you don't think people listen. I do believe people listening because I still get folks who are like, man, I love that episode, you know, with you and your wife back again in season one. Sorry it's taking this long just to get you back on and, and have a conversation about this, but I knew we needed to because this, again, this is your hometown. I mean, this is, it, it hits a different way, right? When it's, when it's in your, your place. Um, so stay safe, y'all be safe and, uh, keep fighting the power. You know, and here we are 10 years or plus later, the problems are still, still there. And the intensity of the music has built to the no hope, the, I don't give a, attitude uh, how did we get from from grandmaster flash the message to where we are now in in hip-hop um again you have to be logical you know if if i know that in this hotel room they have food every day and i'm knocking on the door every day to eat and they tell and they open the door let me see the, the party let me see like them throwing salami all over the i mean just like throwing food around where they're telling me there's no food in here you know what I'm saying? Every day, I'm standing outside trying to sing my way in. You know what I'm saying? We are hungry, please let us in. We are hungry, please let us in. After about a week, that song is going to change the we hungry, we need some food. After two, three weeks, it's like, you know, give me all the food, we're breaking out the door. And after a year, and you're just like, you know what I'm saying? I'm picking the lock, coming through the door, blasting. You know what I'm saying? It's like you hungry. You reached your level. You don't want any more. We asked 10 years ago. We was asking with the Panthers. We was asking with them, you know, the civil rights movement. We was asking, you know, now... Now, those people that were asking, they're all dead and in jail. So now, what do you think we're going to do? And we shouldn't be angry. And my raps that I'm rapping to my community shouldn't be filled with rage. You know what I'm saying? They shouldn't be filled with the same atrocities that they gave to me. In the media, they don't talk about it. So in my raps, I have to talk about it. And it just seems foreign because there's no one else talking about it. All, all the society is doing is leeching off the ghetto. They use the ghetto for their pain, for their sorrow, for their culture, for their music, for their happiness, for their movies. You know, when they see me, they know that every day when I'm breathing, it's, it's, it's for us to go farther. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world. But I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world.
in order for you and me to devise some kind of method or strategy to offset some of the events or re a repetition of the events that have taken place here in Los Angeles recently, we have to go to the root. We have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. And it is because of our effort toward getting straight to the root that people oftentimes think we are dealing in hate. We are oppressed. We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against a common enemy. <laughs> Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair? Who taught you to hate the color of your skin to such extent that you bleach to get like the white man? Who taught you to hate the shape of your nose and the shape of your lips? Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to hate your own kind? Who taught you to hate the race that you belong to? So much so that you don't want to be around each other. No, before you come asking Mr. Muhammad, does he teach hate? You should ask yourself, who taught you to hate being what God gave you? And I, for one, as a Muslim, believe that the white man is intelligent enough. If he were made to realize how black people really feel and how fed up we are without that old compromising sweet talk. Stop sweet talking him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him how, what kind of hell you've been catching and let him know that if he's not ready to clean his house up, if he's not ready, to clean his house up. He shouldn't have a house. It should catch on fire and burn down. <laughs>